0: My name is Ricky Jones, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, and this is River Oaks Presbyterian Church, thank you for coming, and we are in our third week of Advent, as is all the world, and we are talking about, uh, I guess, the most unexpected pregnancy of all time. Um, it's interesting, 50% of pregnancies are unexpected, uh, that, that's exactly what it was for us. Uh, We had two expected and two unexpected, isn't that funny? Um, Anyway, we are talking about Mary this week. And in studying uh, about Mary, I was reminded of a story about Greg Venables, not the new coach for the Oklahoma Sooners. Greg Venables was the uh, archbishop, is presently the archbishop of South America, the southern cone of South America. And he was. Uh, he was born the son of diplomats, and so he grew up in um, South America in Paraguay, and then um, went back to England for his education. But while he was while he was a child there, his uh, his mother gave him a cracked plate one day, and said, "You know, ask him to take this out and throw it away." Uh, a cracked plate wasn't acceptable for demo, uh, for diplomats. Sorry. For diplomats and so he took it out and knowing that people went through the garbage the poor often did that to to gather stuff for themselves instead of just throwing it in the garbage you kind of set it on top and went back in he he soon thereafter moved to England where he went to private boarding schools and all the way up through university and then he went into the ministry and became a deacon in the uh, Anglican Church And was eventually sent back to South America as a bishop first of... uh, He was the first bishop of of, um, Bolivia. And his job there was to go to all the the churches in the diocese and and serve Holy Communion. And he was up in the mountains in a very, very poor church one Sunday. And he was serving uh, Communion. And as uh, people came to him, he looked down at the plate that he was holding... And he saw the very cracked plate that his mother had told him to throw away years and years before. And it hit him that the body of Christ is served on cracked plates. And as we study the story of Mary, Mary has unfortunately kind of been surrounded by halos and all of our art and 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 held up as this this model of perfection for which we all fall short. And that is precisely the opposite of the lesson we're supposed to learn with Mary. The the point about Mary is that she was every 15-year-old girl. She was as common as a a girl could be. And the, the lesson we draw from her, the lesson I want you to draw from her today is this. Are you broken enough to serve the body of Christ? Are you a cracked enough plate... In, in modern Christianity, where everything is about being pristine and being perfect. And Christians are supposed to be strong. And, and Christianity itself is that, that last step of the perfect resume. And, and it's that, that key element of being the perfect family on the Christmas card it, it, that you stick on the refrigerator. And, and everything's about being perfect like we think Mary was perfect. But I'm going to ask you, are you chipped like Mary was chipped? Are you weak enough? Let's put it this way. Are you weak enough? Are you frail enough? Are you foolish enough to be used by Christ the way Mary was used by Christ? Please stand as we read uh, Mary's song from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. So you remember last week, Mary received the news that she would bear the Son of God as a virgin. And then we hear these words. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has set away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months. And return to her home. Thus far the reading of God's word. All men are like grass and all of our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. Are you cracked enough for God to use you? Uh, Are you foolish enough uh, to baffle the wise? Are you weak enough to overcome the mighty? Are you frail enough uh, to humble the proud? When God comes, uh, sends Paul to the Corinthians, he writes them. And it's interesting, usually in those days, and and then these days, as a matter of fact, especially if you're writing people that you may not have seen for a while, you want to, you know, pump them up a little bit. You know, dear Corinthians, y'all sure are great. Thank you for how warmly you greeted me. Thank you for your generosity. But he doesn't do any of that. He just jumps straight into, you know, Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were mighty. But God chose the foolish things of the world to baffle the wise. God chose the humble things of the world to bring down the mighty. So congratulations, we could fit right in with the Corinthians. And we fit right in with Mary in that way. Mary is is a child. She is every woman. That is is the point of who she is. She is um, doing nothing special to get God's attention. And that very humility, that very commonness is what got God's attention. When you see Mary, you're, you're supposed to feel your connection with her. Because you are connected to her. She receives God just as we do. We see see a lot of things just in in the picture. Before we begin to listen to Mary, I want us to look at Mary. We see, first of all, how God is so gentle. He's just kind here, isn't he? Can you imagine being more lost than being told, oh, by the way, you're going to conceive as a virgin. Nobody's going to get that, right? And so he tells her, he, he sends the angel to tell her, and your cousin is with child. I, I've prepared a place for you to go, a, a place for you to to figure things out and to wait while Joseph, who's got a lot of things to figure out now, figures things out. I'm, God's just taking care of her in a way that she could have never taken care of herself, giving her a home and someone to look after her. And what does Mary do? I want you to see three things about her. I want you to see, first of all, her faith that she she believed what God told her. Mary, Mary uh, Elizabeth says to her, "Blessed are you who believe the words that God's told you." She she and then she immediately goes to the Word of God, and we know that because, well, she doesn't use footnotes. God doesn't care as much about plagiarism as you do, but uh, I don't use footnotes either. Uh, but she quotes Hannah. This whole song that she writes is quoting Hannah. And she's, she's using what God has done in the past to give her the grace to strengthen her faith to believe what God says he's going to do in the future. That's the story throughout the Bible. That's why Jesus kept telling stories about Moses and about David. Remember what God has done in the past. And let that strengthen your faith for what he says he's going to do in the future. And I encourage you to do that. That's really the reason why I think the most important thing you can do as a believer who's not yet seen Jesus is is study the resurrection. Ask yourself, do you believe that? Get yourself to really at a point where you believe historically Jesus was raised from the dead. You need to believe what God has done in the past. If you're going to commit your future to him. Like Mary did. She knew. It's always funny, isn't it? That song, you know, that Christmas song. Mary, did you know? And, uh, you know, some people love that song and some people don't and uh it's fine every music is, is varies by taste just as much as some people like broccoli and some people don't uh i hear some people like broccoli i wouldn't know them see right here we got a broccoli lover some people like songs some people don't that's fine but it is an interesting question mary what did you know what did you know and it's interesting that in this text mary calls god her savior Mary calls God her Savior. She says, um, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He, she's, she's already kind of getting into this place of, of faith and trusting God for, for not just this baby, but for her salvation. What did she know? Tim Keller says she's the first Christian, uh, which I guess you can say she is. She's clearly the first person to receive Christ. Um, that's his joke, not mine. Um, and I don't think it's funny, but y'all laughed. Um, but she she's definitely seeing God as her savior. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, back in the middle uh, middle ages, the, the Catholic, well, the only church that was then was the Catholic Church. The Catholic scholar said that when in an arguing over the. The purity of Mary, the question of did Mary ever sin? He said, well, she's, she's the one who called God her Savior. And, and that's interesting. What, what did she know about this baby? Probably not much. Probably not. I would hope she didn't know that he was going to be crucified for her. That would have been a little too much to bear. But we know. We know what it means when when God told Joseph that this baby's name was going to be Jesus. What, What does that name Jesus mean? It means God saves. Yahweh saves. And she knew his name. She knew the name. And she knew somehow that this was going to be her Savior, that God was going to save his people from their sin. We know that Mary believed and we know Mary was filled with Scripture. When you cut Mary, she sang. she said this beautiful words, "My soul is filled. My soul magnifies the Lord." It's, it's talking about this rich, joyful belief, this It's almost as if she, she's, she's talking to herself. Remember those psalms we, we like to mention. Uh, Psalm 40 right when he says soul why are you down Psalm 42 why are you downcast oh my soul he's he's looking at himself for Psalm 103 where he's talking to himself bless the lord oh my soul it's kind of is the self awareness Mary says my soul magnifies the lord i'm filled i'm filled with him and that's a that's a beautiful sentiment is that, that she's she's filled with him she knows how to not only read scripture but to personalize it she knows how to take Hannah's song and make it her song she knows how to find herself in, in the scriptures and, and immerse herself in it so that she is filled and she receives comfort and joy from it and she is filled with the, the joy of of the Lord she's filled with the presence of the Lord I kind of need that again I feel like there's been times in the past when I felt that way, when I've been that way I'm not sure if you cut me right now I'll bleed the joy of the Lord do you kind of need that again it's okay to admit it admitting it's the first step. Everybody tells us that. He's happy to do it. I want to be able to look at myself and say, my soul magnifies the Lord. Don't you? Maybe we need to receive him more profoundly than we have in a while. We've been kind of leaning on the Lord to get us through the last 18 months, but have we been filled with him? What is it about God that filled Mary? What is, let's listen to her. What does she sing about? She sings about two things. She sings about God's might and about God's mercy. God's might, about his arm, the strength he has. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. In his mercy, he's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. Might and mercy. And it's important that she keeps these two things together, right? Might without mercy, that's recklessness. That's just destruction. Might without mercy is the the tornado that ripped through my hometown yesterday. Uh, You didn't see it in the news. Dresden rarely shows up in the news when a town of a thousand people has a tornado go through it. It's like, well... It probably didn't hit anybody. They were spread out already. And oddly enough, it did not hit anybody. But it did uh, tear down almost all the public buildings and my mother's house. I'm not sure how to feel about that. But a a tornado, just sheer might. No mercy. Uh, On the other hand, mercy without might, now that sounds better, but it's not. You know what mercy without might is? Mercy without might is a poor... Weak, incompetent father, standing in the driveway as his 16-year-old son drives off saying, Be careful! With all of your heart and soul, you cry out, Be careful! Right? Because there's not a stinking thing you can do to make that child be careful. (laughs) You know, because you were once a 16-year-old boy. And you know that whatever else is on his mind as he drives away, being careful is not one of them. And you're merciful. And you want what is good for your children. But you cannot force them to have it. And you cannot protect them. And in God we see, Mary sings that his mercy and his might have come together. His might specifically in, in pulling down the strong. His might in, in toppling the powerful. And as and we think about the powerful and the strong, we, we kind of associate with them. <laughs> The people that we want to be with, we don't want to think about God toppling them. But think about Mary. Think about most of humans for the history of the world. How they looked at the powerful. How would, how would the, the poor Jews look up at the, at the Romans in their armor surrounded by armies. Nothing can get to them. How would slaves have looked up at the, the mansion on the hill and he's felt like nothing can touch them and their their beauty and their safety. Nothing can, can reach them. And she says God comes along and topples them, uses his power to topple the proud. Like, I don't know, when I hear it, I get the, the picture of of two men laying their chessboard out, putting everything carefully, white square on the right, if you don't know how to set up a chessboard, studying where every piece goes, so careful, so wise. And then a child comes along and just... <laughs> Scatters the pieces everywhere, except the pieces are kings and queens and, and presidents and premiers, And he topples them. And oftentimes, in our foolishness, we think we can withstand him. We don't need God. We've got our, our comforts and our ease and our advancements and our iPhones. And we're all like... Uh, we're all like the man. Several years ago, I don't. Th- I'm probably the only only one here old enough to remember Hurricane Andrew. Uh, when Hurricane Andrew blew through Miami, there was a uh, a fitness enthusiast, a, a little bit of a guru, and he said he wasn't going to uh, run away from Her- Hurricane Andrew. He was going to have himself tied to a tree to prove that 60 years old he could still withstand a hurricane. Okay, let's say this slowly enough for you to understand it, buddy. If you're in a hurricane, it's not that the wind is blowing. It's what the wind is blowing, right? If a hurricane picks up, man, I'm looking at the pictures from my hometown. If a tornado just took a big Ford F-150 and slammed it into the wall of my church yesterday. I mean, if you're... Tied to a tree and the wind picks up a Ford F-150 and slams it into you at 50 miles an hour. It doesn't matter how many sit-ups you did that morning. You're not strong enough to withstand that. God topples the powerful. But he's mercy. He's merciful. He lifts up the weak. The same arm that that tears down the the castles lifts up the, the poor. He lifts up those who have nothing on their own to offer. He, he, he lifts up the cracked plates. And, Mer, and Mary is very she's very wise in how she sings about God's mercy, because she says to us that God's mercy it is bottomless, but it's not boundless. What do I mean by that? It's bottomless. In other words, you're not going to out God's mercy. If you understand God's mercy at all, you understand that there would be nothing more arrogant to think that you could out God's mercy. You're, you're thinking of God like he looks at you as an equal. You know, I mean, you're incapable of, of unconditional love, right? I mean, sure, I love you because you don't live with me. I don't even know you that well. But, I mean, if you, you know, pulled out a machete and killed my children, I would stop loving you, right? Like, unconditional love is pretty much impossible for two equals, right? I'm sorry, I picked a gross example, but I just wanted to get to the end of that one really quickly, okay? Um, I mean, I could have said if you killed my dog, I wouldn't love you, but I actually would thank you for that. Um, Anyway... But God's love, God's mercy is bottomless. Because he doesn't expect anything from you. He doesn't look upon us as equals. He's not disappointed with you. He looks upon us like you look upon a newborn rolling around in their poo. (laughs) You don't look at them and go, why didn't you do your homework? Right? <laughs> There's nothing they can offer you. I mean, you see, the, the distance is much greater than that. It's it's greater than a child making pets out of little roly poly bugs. I mean, she doesn't expect anything from these bugs. The distance is greater than that. God is merciful to you because he's merciful. You're not gonna outsend that. It has no bottom. But it does have boundaries. Sometimes when we, when we sing about God's mercy or we sing about God's grace and we want to we highlight it, we want to exalt it, and so we, we sing about it like it's infinite. But it's not infinite. If it, had in, if it were infinite, it would have no boundaries. But it does have boundaries. God tells us that. He says it very clearly. I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. He does not show mercy to all. Mary says that. She says he shows mercy to those who fear him. Not to the presumptive fools who think they don't need him. Not to those who think that they're so wise that they don't need a God to exist. He he does not show mercy to the scoffer who's just too smart for all that. We talked about that a little bit last week. You know, this is the thing I do. Whenever I preach, and Bianca's, and I preach every Sunday, and Bianca says, that was a good point. I always come back to that one the next week. I was like, that, that must have been a good one. And she, she wants me to, to encourage you to understand that, that there are scoffers out there. They're not asking questions to learn anything. They're not trying to learn about God. They just want to point out the, the oddities of Christianity so they can feel good about themselves God's mercy doesn't go to them. God's mercy is not for the proud. Those who uh, are are proud of themselves, who who stand up without the need of God. To those who look at, at what they themselves have constructed and want to say, I built this. I didn't need God or anyone else. And that sounds harsh. But guys, that's... That's good news. God's mercy is for the foolish and for the weak and for the humble. Now, I didn't used to like that news because I was smart and I worked hard to be a good Christian and I was surrounded, this is like when I was, you know, in college, otherwise known as being an idiot, um... I would look around at everyone else who wasn't working as hard as I was and who wasn't as serious about their Christianity as I was. And I didn't like the idea that God was merciful to people who weren't trying as hard as I was. Oh, I was so old then. I'm so much younger now. I'm so much... I was so much smarter then. And I'm so much more foolish now. And having walked with the Lord for X number of years, I tell you that it's good news because you can always go lower. I can't be as good as I thought. I will never, no human will ever be as good as I thought I was. But you can go lower, you can confess your sin. You may not ever achieve those goals that you set for yourself that you were going to be someday. But you can always be humbler. You can always go lower. His mercy is for the humble. It's for Mary. It's for the normal. It's for the cracked plates. When my sons were four and five respectively, I decided it was time to bless the world by having them embark on their athletic careers. So I signed them up for t-ball. And both of my sons, both of my sons managed to do what the the athletic feat that is extremely rare in t-ball, they struck out. With a great big bat and ball, a ball that was not moving, they both managed in games, in front of crowds, to strike out. And I'll never forget putting my boys to bed one night when both of them had struck out and they were very sad and wondering why I had submitted them to public humiliation. And as I turned out the light, the last thing I said to them is, boys, I want you to know, I love it when you strike out. And they both said, why? And I said, if you hit the ball, then you might think I loved you because you could hit the ball. But when I tell you that I love it when you strike out, you know I love you because you are mine. God loves the humble. He loves the low. The question this Christmas is not, have you achieved a level yet that you ought to have achieved as a Christian? The question for you is, are you a cracked plate? Are you humble enough? Are you low enough for God to show his mercy to you and to Use you, even in a ministry like MEND. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray that you would come and and receive us. Would you remind the low and the, the broken that you have come for us, that you are for us, and that your mercy is always there for us if we will come and receive it. Thank you, Lord, that you do not wait for us to find you, but that you came to Mary, and through her you came to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray.